Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 58 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name is Stephen Hill. I'm the host, co-host. You always get shitty, don't you, when I say host? Yeah, I don't. I, I like to consider us... Co-host. Yeah, I mean, I know technically. I always do this bit. Well, I know. Yeah. Well, I, You're you like know. the uh, the colour commentator. The colour commentator? Yeah, that's a sporting term. Remember? Ah, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. that yeah, went totally over anymore, my head. Sorry, the okay. African-American commentator. <laughs> okay. Um, and <laughs> that doesn't make sense either. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah I, that's why, uh, you know, I think the person, like if you if you have a duo mm. on a commentary team mm-hmm. or, or on a chat show or whatever, mm-hmm. one of them is the sort of anchor and the other one is the colour commentator. Okay, you're the anchor, I'm the colour commentator. Yeah. I'm but then it that. doesn't, maybe not, only because I say this bit first. just feels like a very out of date term. But then I don't know about well, you it. You take at everything all. really literally. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, you know, I do. it's probably why you're upset by that for no reason. I'm oh, not that upset. I'm fine. <laughs> Hello. Hello, you're everyone. Really upset. Yeah, um, I'm fine. Uh, anyway, uh, that's Renfrey as well. Renfrey Deadman is here Hello. with me, my Hello. co host. <laughs> Cut that, in it? Fucking hell. Um, <sighs> welcome to the show. Um, after last week's show, with a big tool review, um, this week we're going to be wondering, when are we going to get another tool album, for fuck's sake? It's been a week. Um, <laughs> and we're going to be reviewing new releases from Corn, Hawkeyes, Microwave, and The Road. Go over to musicism.net. Definitely it is musicism.net. Absolutely Definitely it is. Absolutely. Like, 100% absolute, no it doubt is. About it at all. Yes, yes, yes. Um, online tutorials for every conceivable human who wants to be better at making the musics. <laughs> the definitive article. The definitive article. But pluralised as Pluralised well. and, yeah, in a very real way. That you don't you. mean the musics as in the 2002 Leeds-based sort no, of... No, I do. Oh, I mate. Do. Why can someone give us the music's debut album? Someone has, I think, uh, on Writer's Review. I think because someone has. I want to talk about that band. Do you? I fucking love them. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love them. Do you hate them? I can't really remember. I've got that album. I went to see their final show at Brixton Academy. Did you? I, I really loved Brixton Academy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never realised that big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people who don't know the music will be seriously bored by this conversation. Yeah. Basically, but... the music to for, to put those of you not in a, the music were like a, a sort of northern version of the Cooper Temple Clause. There oh, you go. yeah, Everyone's that's quite bored good. now. Aren't yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. not many people know the music, mm. but everyone knows the Cooper Temple Clause. <laughs> um, <laughs> even more vague. Basically, there were two bands who were much better than Kasabian. And yet Kasabian headline Glastonbury. Abs- what the fuck is that about? Absolutely 100% agree Mental. with that. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to be reviewing that. Musicism.net, yeah, of course, we are talking about if you want to be a guitarist or a singer or a producer, Musicism provide online tutorial courses f- to improve your skills with a Z, like the 90s, to do that. It costs nine ninety nine a month, unless you decide that you don't want to pay that much and you would rather pay... 749 stroke 50. We can help you out with that. <laughs> right in capitals in the checkout. Bosh, 25% off. Thanks, guys. Um, sorry for the little Kasabian interlude and mm, the, the musicism mm, sting. Mm. Um, Shall we use uh, I, It's just occurred to me we haven't done sort of merch and website and uh, yeah. reviews for a little while. Reviews? Uh, reviews on iTunes. Oh, give, right. Okay. Give us yeah. a review on the well, old no, iTunes, you did mate. That a week ago. Come on, don't be greedy. All right. People don't want to do that. They don't like being asked. 
Right, sorry. All right, merch then? What do you want to do? do? Merch, yeah. Okay, merchandise. We have merchandise. 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 <laughs> Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> oh, brilliant. The kids Mel- love that. <laughs> brilliant Mel Brooks reference. Thank you. Spaceballs is such a good film, isn't I it? I love Spaceballs. Yeah, it's so good. It is. Dark that is a helmet. Dark helmet. Again, this is full of references that people of a certain age are uh, not going to get. You need to watch Spaceballs. More than you need to listen to the new Tool album, you need to watch Spaceballs. <laughs> if you want to see Rick Moranis star as uh, a satire of I mean, uh, Darth from, Vader. I bet there are people who don't even... You're saying Rick Moranis like he's Al Pacino That's true, yeah, I don't know, you're people right. don't know who Rick Moranis is. <laughs> yeah. Anyone under the age of fucking... 28 oh, okay. Rick Moranis, the guy um, from Honey I Shrunk the Kids he's in Ghostbusters you know what Ghostbusters yeah, is don't he's you? in, he's in the f- not the, the first one the, the first two sorry he's in the first, first two, two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway he plays Dark Helmet doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> use the Schwartz Lone Star <laughs> fucking brilliant it's just basically it's a sort of satire on Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff mainly Star Wars spoof. I think yeah. yeah it's Mel Brooks Mel Brooks who's brilliant anyway enough about Mel Brooks yeah we do have merchandise <laughs> We do have merch. We've got merch, which would be at riotapp.com. Riotapppodcast.com. Riotapppodcast.com. Mm. And there's also a link to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash riotapppodcast. We were about to do um, some writers reviews this afternoon. We can probably tease the next ones we're going to do. It's just going to, it'll be a little yeah. while. Well, the problem, we I'm, so we're recording this on a Sunday. We usually record later in the week, but I'm going, mm. to, New, I'm going to New York tomorrow, which is why I'm practicing my Mel Brooks accent. <laughs> Doing it very well. Yeah, because I'm going to New York for a week tomorrow, so we're getting this shit done early. This might be, we've already deviated a lot, right. um, but um, what are you going to do in New York? I'm going to go to a, um, a, a bar called St. Vitus. Oh, mate, it's brilliant. And I'm going to go and watch Inter Armour ah. and a band called Skull Shitter. Fucking great! Oh, St. Vitus is amazing. Is when it? I when I was last there, um, why was I there again? Oh yeah, I was watching the um, final shows by Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, yeah. But I went to uh, St. Vitus the day after they played their final show, the day after, one mm-hmm. of the best days of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, Godmother played St. Vitus and it was fucking excellent. Right. And Ben Weinman For was there. For a minute, there. I thought you meant my godmother. And I was like, I don't even know, <laughs> know who she is, actually. The, the band Godmother, <laughs> yeah. the very heavy band yeah, Godmother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Excellent. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah, so I'm going to go to St. Vitus. I mean, that's not why I'm going. No. I'm going because I just want to go to... I want, yes. a, I want a fucking holiday. Did you say Skull going. Shitter? Skull fucker? Skull Shitter. Skull Shitter. Last time I went, was in New York, I saw... I, I, last time I was in New York, Flight of the Concords, Radiohead, Alice in Chains, and Creeper. Creeper were playing their debut oh, US yeah. headline show. Oh, all, the time, all in the kind of four-day period that I was in America. And I did see Radiohead at Madison Square Garden, and I mm. did see Alice in Chains at Webster Hall while I was out there. So I had a look to see what else was on and <laughs> nothing on. I think who played Hot Chip playing every night? Oh, you're Fucking kidding. Hot Chip. I don't want to go see. I've gone to America to get away from Hot Chip <laughs> and find out they're big in America. What the hell's going on? Um, yeah, so I'm just I'm just going for a holiday, but I am, I did think to myself, I'm going to go and watch a band somewhere. And yeah, I really want oh, to yeah. It's really fucking cool to go to a gig on holiday because it's the same as what you do, but everything's different. That, I can't really describe it better than that. Mm. Awful description, I have to say. <laughs> really bad. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so we are going to, we were going to be doing that, but there was traffic on the Dartwall Tunnel. It's Sunday. I'm getting my Esther sorted for tomorrow. We just don't have time to actually record what we were going to do, which would be Neutral Milk Hotel. You probably should describe who Esther is. You should say who Esther is. Getting my Esther, my ESTA, oh. which is 
what they let you into America. I did a joke. Yeah, it was really good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to do writers' reviews on Neutral Milk Hotel, This Girl, and what was the other one? Exotic Animal Petting Exotic Zoo. Exotic Animal Petting Zoo, which is a loopy record. Um, and that'll be going up soon. So if you want to contribute, and if you want to buy a tea, I don't know, I've never seen anyone wearing any Riot Act merch. I have. And I quite like that. I quite like the fact that. Mm. Not that we're not making it, you know, no, one, no one's bought it. I'm not really that keen. Less, that. less good for our coffers. <laughs> no, no, but I like the idea that maybe people have bought it and just gone, I'm going to save that for like a royal wedding. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, very likely. I'm not wasting that by wearing it to a gig. <laughs> um, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen a few shirts around, but not very many, admittedly. Mm. So please buy some. Yeah, be yeah, it'd be nice if you bought some. Um, last week, we reviewed the new Tool album. We actually, what I should say, we reviewed the, the new Black Futures album last week. And I said to you when I came in, I felt like I was not massively went in big on the Black Futures album. I've listened to it a couple of times since and I like it loads more, yeah. uh, which is what you should be saying about the Tool album. Like, oh, the more I listen to it, the more I get out of it. But actually, I've listened to the Black Futures album a lot and I'm like, oh, it's probably better than I met. And I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was yeah. it's, it's their debut album and I do think they will get better. I stand by that. But yeah, it's probably a bit better than I made it out to be it, last it's, week. God, you are making it sound like they've contacted us or something. And no, no, they, they haven't. They which haven't. they haven't. No, no, no. I, I just... That is how I feel. Yeah. I, I think c- considering that tool record is out and I'm listening to very little other than that at the moment, the fact that Black Futures is even getting a look in at the moment, which it is, yeah. I think is testament to it being a very good album indeed. Tool so. and Scissor Sisters is all I've really listened to. <laughs> really? Yeah, the last few days. <laughs> and the records we're reviewing today. And the records we're reviewing today, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, buy some merch. Um, go on the old Patreon and we'll get some extra stuff up soon. Um, talking about the Tool album, actually, um, we, we we sort of hypothesised what the reaction might be and it was predictably people either going, oh, I absolutely love it or this is rubbish. Um, mm-hmm. I Which found, is more or less how it turned out, wasn't yeah, it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found my favourite comment online, which was, <laughs> Tool is just rush for juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what what does he mean by that? Rush for juggalo men who entertain. Well, what do juggalos do? Juggalos just they they just they just juggalos. They like the insane clown posse a lot. Wasn't what? But wasn't that that film? Is it Deuce Bigelow? That's gigolos. Oh, gigolos and juggalos. Oh, juggalos. Oh, I see. Oh. Specifically, insane clown posse yes. bands. You I know the see. gathering of the jugglers. Yes, Just, yes. It's, it's, it's the white track, like sort of stupid white trash. I'm with I'm you. I'm with you now. It's Sunday, and I'm out of sorts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, do you know when you? That's were like, even go, funnier. Yeah, I get it, it is, now. Yeah. When <laughs> you didn't funnier. know what a juggler was, I nearly went into <laughs> the entirety of the song "What Is a Juggler" by the Insane Clown. Posse. I mean, you could do it, and we could cut it. <laughs> 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 Seems pointless. Do it after, um, just for you. Uh, so yeah, uh, that is a that is a great comment. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, fair fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm quite so, happy to be a juggalo for tool. So you know, yeah, I don't remind. Yeah. Um, anyway, more other more other news. Um, now this is interesting, Renfrew. You don't know this, but Post Malone, my favourite. Oh yeah, uh, has got a, a new album coming out. Oh yeah, uh, which. I doubt we'll review. To nope. be honest, what would be the point? Um, but it's coming out on the sixth of yes, it's coming out. It'll be it'll be out the day that this comes out. Okay, uh, this this podcast, and there's a lot of guests on it. Oh. One of the guests is Ozzy Osbourne. 
R- r- right. How do you feel about that? Um, mm, uh, well, uh, <laughs> well, it's fine, obviously. Mm. I mean, it's okay for him to do that. And Sharon Osbourne's obviously agreed to it. Ozzy doesn't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> Ozzy thinks Post Malone is Amy Winehouse. <laughs> he's, he's still about 10 years in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't have a massively strong opinion. I mean, that's Post Malone trying to appeal to rock Post Malone's fans. a massive rock fan. So yeah, doesn't, doesn't necessarily he means that he appeals to them, though. But that's no, that's an but attempt. I think to... it does to some. Like, I mean, in, right. in America, I think this there's this whole that kind of SoundCloud mumble rap thing that we are so dismissive of. Mm. They're saying that that is the kind of extension of emo, and the people like Scarlord are yeah, an extension of this. Yeah. metalcore, and um, you know they're all big into big influence from. I think I think that's those, happened a lot uh, as well because quite a lot of emo bands, for some reason, sometimes really good emo bands as well, seem to have a side project which is yeah. sort of soundcloud mumblecore rap stuff yeah Don't a know lot why. of them have gone on to do that sort of thing so obviously they like it and you know they're free to make whatever music they want and listen to whatever music they want um but yeah aussie on a post malone album is a really i can't imagine it i can't imagine i mean the thing is he, he's got previous to this because he was on the buster rhymes album back in the day wasn't he <laughs> either means war forgotten that or never knew that wow okay yeah. and it was just him basically croaking through a bit of the chorus of iron man i think oh jesus um i thought you were going to bring up his um uh, uh shock the monkey from coal chamber he's on that because well. that's the is it peter gabriel, peter gabriel yeah cover, peter yeah. gabriel cover that's shocking yeah it's rubbish that oh my god yeah it's dreadful but he's also he appears on with therapy on a tribute to Black Sabbath, the the Nativity in Black, um, oh, Black yeah. Sabbath tribute album. Yeah, imagine Paul Bastard being asked to be on your own tribute album. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, probably had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Really weird. So anyway, um, we await that. With I think that will be. I want to listen to that because there aren't many people who've got a worse voice than Post Malone. But Ozzy, or Ozzy Osbourne. Or, yeah, it's like <laughs> to be honest, shit voice off, isn't it? <laughs> Get Ollie Sykes in there as well, <laughs> yes. and someone popping a balloon, you know? <laughs> and the <laughs> balloon would win. <laughs> Who's got the best vocal range? Uh, <laughs> so that's happening. Uh, in more sort of, I guess, slightly serious uh, news, um, Sunoa released a new album as well. It's called Pyroclass, and it's a kind of accompanying accompanying piece to Life Metal. So it's coming out on the twenty fifth of October. Um, here's a little bit of. Um, blurb that they wrote about the mm. record. Oh, wow. You've uh, actually read some of this. Yeah, I have. The Pyroclass <laughs> album is a result of a daily practice which was regularly performed each morning or evening during the two-week Life Metal sessions at Electric Audio during July 2018 when all of the day's musical participants would gather and work through a 12-minute improvised modal drone at the start or end of a day's work. The piece was performed. Uh, the piece performed was timed with a stopwatch and tracked to two-inch tape. It was an exercise and chance to dig into a deep opening or closing of the day's session in a deep musical way with all of the participants to connect, stroke, reconnect, liberate the creative mind a bit, and greet each other and the space through the practice of sound immersion. The music on Pyroclass is ex- 
inextricably woven to life metal. It exists on the same tape reels and was explicitly recorded by Steve Albini. The brightness and vividity of that glorious session glares through these four tracks. The precision, radiance, prismatic lustrousness of the saturation, the elemental sculptural shapes, the abstract renderings. It is a sister or perhaps shadow album. So I think what we're going to get the reason I brought this up is we don't often chat about sort of newsy stuff like album announcements and everything, but I thought it was worth bringing up with with Sun because you and I both struggled with uh, life metal and with kind of their, their them, discography them in general. Mm. But I have to say the idea of another layer to that record, I find layer or layer layer. Layer, yeah, mm. another, another, an accompanying piece that will go alongside it. Mm. Wouldn't make sense if it was a layer. No, no, yeah, but you, why are you doing this? <laughs> I, I, I genuinely didn't hear it. I'm right. sorry, but okay, <laughs> I wasn't just coming to my layer. <laughs> of course, I, didn't I, I genuinely thought you said layer. No, no, I apologize, no. carry right, on. Another layer, yes, yes, to uh, to that record. I think it would be really <clears> interesting, <throat> and anything that makes me feel like I might be able to I really want to get some so do I um and well I'm hoping we have been invited to their roundhouse show um yes <laughs> we by have who? uh by the by PR no by the PR yeah. I haven't had that yeah it's just, it, well, well this is an off mic conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have been invited to the roundhouse yeah show. it really is um <laughs> sorry and I would um I've never experienced Sun live, um, so I'd very much like to go yeah, and see too. what the fuss is all about. It's going to be at the Roundhouse, so mm. I imagine that will be a hell of a gig. And also, we'll be able to sit down. Ooh, uh, lovely. <laughs> um, lovely back support, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, when you were reading that out, that did sound to me like, that sounds like that's going to sound like all their other records then. Yeah, but the thing is... We think everything sounds like all their other records. Yeah. Because we don't really get it. Yeah. And I'm happy to go, I don't really get it. And mm. be stupid. Mm. You know, like the people who were slagging off Tool. Yeah. You know, but they weren't doing it. They were like, that, that, that joke about Tool, mm. is, he probably feels about Tool like we feel about Sun O. Like, what is, I, well, I don't understand it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Good of him to, I think, people slagging off Tool. People who don't like Tool slagging off Tool. That's good. That's good comedy. That's you should always punch up in comedy. <laughs> that's like, oh, I, I'm an idiot, and they like better stuff than me. They're better than me, so I'll take the piss out of them. That's, that's exactly that's what the general is. rule. Yeah, and I think yeah. people like Sun are better than me, so I can take the piss out of them. <laughs> sure. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'm not really taking the piss out of them. I actually, I would, I would love to be able to kind of fully understand and comprehend Sun. I'd love to understand why people. Um, rave about them in the way that they do and are obviously as passionate about them as they obviously are. Um, And uh, I mean, I've always kind of said this. At the end of the day, if My Chemical Romance, for example, I was never a massive My Chemical Romance fan. I I like Three Cheers. That's about it, really. Um, But to have the passion that a lot of people had for that band... The only people who are winning are them, really, because mm. they've got loads of joy and um, in some cases, like something to live for out of that, you know. So so whenever anyone gets something that I don't, I want to get it. Yeah. My Chemical Romance and Sun is a odd, is a really odd, odd comparison. But, you know, but, but, but people do feel 
I think people express their passions in different ways, but I do think people are about as passionate as both of those bands, just yeah. in much smaller numbers with Sun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah but I, I'm interested to hear a record that kind of would go on top of that previous record and add something more to it. Do they mean literally in the manner that I, I was talking about I mean, the tall record? I, I, I don't know. Mm. This is a companion piece. I mean, I, I don't know. If, if they're timing it with a stopwatch and mm. being that precise mm. with it, then maybe it does. Then my, maybe I'm putting two and two together and getting five here, but my sort of perceived notion of that is that we've, when they said we, you know, the life metal sessions, they made that. And then if they're getting something, if they're making something with the preciseness of having to use a stopwatch, it's starting exactly. Yeah. And surely that means that it's going to, they're going to start and end at exactly the same time. You would think. I, 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 that would be really cool. And I would love to listen to that. I do think, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit with the tool review last week. Mm. Uh, I still, I still don't know if there's any truth in what I was saying last week about layering songs on top of each other. Um, but Tool have done that in the past. And I think with a series of drones, not to poo-poo it totally, but it's a lot easier to layer up a, like two tracks, which are just more or less a series of drones, yeah, I'm than sure it, it is, is like two two or three well, Tool songs. The Flaming Lips did... What's the name of the Flaming Lips one? Where there's the, it's four albums that are all supposed to be played. Yeah. Um, What's it called? I don't know. I can't remember. I read but, the Pitchfork review of that a couple yeah. of weeks ago when they were like, I haven't actually listened to all four of them in the way that it's yeah. intended, but this is shit. Classic Pitchfork. Yeah. Wicked. Um, anyway. Was it go. you who sent me the two... Um, two out of ten review of Francis the Mute on Pitchfork recently, yes, or maybe it was it someone. Was, yeah. yeah, fucking hell! What a, one of the worst reviews I've ever read in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, but not even just in terms of I disagree with this. Just actually a really bad review. He's the, it's the same guy who wrote the one uh, Lateralis review. Oh uh, right, yeah. I think he's a bit of a knobhead. That <laughs> he doesn't do music journalism anymore. So as Good. far as I can see. Good don't want him anyway we do uh so anyway that, the sun album's coming out and we will review it on the show for sure and we'll definitely go to the show and, and report back let's absolutely try and play them both together oh 100 um, yeah, we'll whether it works or not and yeah. review that yeah definitely that's what we should do um <laughs> but that's what you're meant to do with it or not it, yeah and then let's play all of the beatles albums on top of one another and review that um. <laughs> Someone will have done that on YouTube. Probably. Someone yeah. has. Yeah. Go and check it out. I bet that sounds like a right mess, doesn't it? <laughs> Be shit. Be awful. <laughs> Fucking crap. <laughs> Magical Mystery Tour. Love Me Yellow Submarine. Yeah. Because. Magical Mystery Tour. I want to hold your hand. Like, <laughs> all going off at the same time. It's like, ah. Come together. Yeah. Great. Anyway. Cool. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, this has a very Sunday afternoon feeling, this show, doesn't it? Quite like it. <laughs> I hope. I let's hope do it. some reviews then. Let's get it in, back on track. Um, let's start with an album which doesn't actually come out for another week. Um, we're reviewing it a week early because... We do what we like. Week, oh. Yeah, well, next week there's Pixies, there's Chelsea Wolfe. Mike Patton. Mike Patton. Uh, along with... There's quite a uh, lot of stuff. Jean, something or other. Jean-Michel Jarre. No. no. Um, but uh, someone, someone as exciting. Mm. Um not very exciting i can't remember the rest there's a lot coming out yeah there's a lot coming out so we thought we'd do corn um this is the 13th studio album from the bakersfield based godfathers of new metal copyright everyone ever 
Uh, 13th <laughs> studio album. Unlucky for some. Mm. A Renfrey. Yeah. Like Megadeth. Yes, very much so. I can't think of any others. Um, uh, so I'm sure Saxon have got 13 albums. <laughs> and it's bound to be shit, whichever one it is. Yeah. That old saying, you know, number eight, unlucky for Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers one to 18, <laughs> unlucky for Saxon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's be I think this actually needs this a little degree of yeah, um, yeah, yeah, seriousness right. because... Uh, the circumstances now usually I, I would just say um, we'll, we'll talk about the circumstances surrounding this album in a minute but I think first Corn Renfrey yes. have you and I on this podcast ever really spoken that much about Corn? I don't really think I'm we not have. sure if we have not no. so much no so no. go on let's go through our own personal relationship with Corn and okay. where we sit in 2019. Do you want me to start? Yes, I do, please. Uh, I was um, obsessed with Corn around the age 13, 14. Uh, that was when Follow the Leader came out and I bought that and loved it and then saw them at Wembley Arena. It was the first time I ever saw them on the Issues Tour. Um, uh, there was a sort of five-year period, I'd say, between Follow the Leader and Untouchables where I adored Corn, and then now I kind of see them as a sort of singles band most of the time. So how are you feeling about the last couple of Corn of albums? Um, I think it's a classic case. I said this with Killswitch as well. I think it's a classic case of every single Corn record that comes out is um, heralded as a return to form. Mm -hmm. And in reality, yeah. the majority of them really aren't. So Serenity of Suffering, I thought, was fine yeah uh the one paradigm before that is I, I think the parallel uh, paradigm, shift. paradigm shift i actually do think that's a decent record that's got some good songs in it yeah, yeah. I, uh, weirdly the best song on it and i can't remember what it's called now the best song on it is not on the album it was added to the bonus track oh really i can't remember what that song's even called i think i've only got the bonus version but yeah um that 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 actually made me go oh this is this is a decent record and what was the one before that path of totality the dubstep path of totality i mean yeah i i i i liked it purely for the fact of it being a bit different yep um Corn um, 3 was before that. I think yeah. Corn 3 is probably worth bringing up in this instance. Yeah. Corn 3 is a actually, Corn 3 I would say is a classic example of the press jumping on a record and going this is the best album they've released for years and years and years and years. And because it's trying to sound because like Because it's them trying to sound days. like yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Oil Dale's good. <clears throat> um there's one or two other songs, but I think now when people look back at it People see Corn 3 as a bit of a misstep. I never liked Corn 3. I always really? thought it was shit. Right. Yeah, I always thought it was rubbish. And I thought... So my relationship with Corn <clears throat> is that, much like you, at the age of sort of... I was more like 16 when I got into Corn. <clears throat> In fact, actually, I remember... Um, I don't think I've ever said this before in regards to Corn, but when I went to Reading Festival in 1996 my first ever festival experience the week before corn had headlined the second stage at donnington monsters of rock the last monsters of rock festival mm -hmm. and um a couple of my mates who went to reading went the night before the reading festival went to see corn at the astoria and i remember them coming back and being like oh my god I, we're not going to see a better band this weekend that band are fucking incredible and i didn't really know they were and i was just like i'd read about them and i sort of had seen the name and stuff but i hadn't actually heard them I was like, I should check that band out. And the first time checking it out, I was like, nah. But then, oh, right. because it's so weird, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine now 
yeah how revolutionary Korn's self-titled album sounded yeah. in 1994 95 96 <coughs> it really did like it really did and um <clears throat> i you know that is something which they've never ever really like i'm not entirely sure that the first corn album is my is the best corn album or mm. even my favorite corn album but certainly in terms of the impact that it had on our scene i think it is it's up there with master of puppets number of the yep. beast it is genuinely one of yep. the most influential records in metal's history yep. undoubtedly yep. It, yeah definitely i definitely agree with that i think it's definitely an incredibly impactful record when you go back on it when you look back at it now as an album as a whole uh it's patchy, it's patchy yeah so but, i mean i but, saw them play it in full at brixton. twice at brixton and at hellfest mm, nice a headline hellfest um doing it in full and, and actually it was a bit like the holy bible mm, you know mm. i've spoken about seeing the holy bible tour that the manics did and feeling mm. like you actually have changed so much as a band that this doesn't yeah. these songs are probably better but it doesn't and i think the holy bible is a better album than corn's yep. titled album for sure I agree. um so you know but I loved Corn when they came out, and I even I loved them up. Basically, loved them up to to follow the leader, and it was really, I think, around the time that Issues came out that I started going, <coughs> I'm not so sure. And I thought Untouchables was a better version of Issues, mm. and then I sort of dropped them. And then when I came back a few sort of five six years later with the second self titled, I was like, fair play to them actually, because the Corn who were that um, nihilistic hate-filled angry band mm. and now covering word up mm-hmm. doing your on a single mm-hmm. um they've got dubstep albums mm-hmm. and i think corn have grown into dare i say it a kind of party band yeah when you see them live absolutely mm. um and that that corn uh Second, the second untitled record is something i'd love to talk about that extensively at some mm. point because um that was seen as a misstep at the time. But actually, I think if you look back on it now, I think it's aged really well, that record. It's got some good songs on it. It's got right? some great songs on I mean, it. Wasn't it written by <clears throat> the, the Dust Brothers, was it? Who helped them write it? I think or some sort of production, so. like songwriting stable. Yeah. That, wrote for, I like, mean, Britney Spears or something. Was... That started on See You on the Other Side. I yeah. don't know if it continued with um, that I'm record sure or not. It, it probably did. I'm sure it did. Because they were just a three-piece at that point as well. It's mm. worth bearing in mind. Um, but you know, there's some, it's like gothy corn, that record. It's like corn, um, but with more of Jonathan's influences coming to the fore, it feels yeah. like his sort of, cause he's a massive Duran Duran fan and all mm. that kind of thing. Isn't he? Um, there's plenty of pop on it. <coughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's really clean and you know, all that kind of the, the nihilism of early corn. Now the thing is, is my first experience seeing corn was at Brixton Academy on the Life is Peachy tour. Um, I saw them twice in about six months on the life uh, tour in Life is Peachy in the UK. And it's the only time I've seen them. Like, they're great. When people say, ah, Corner as good as they ever, they ever has been, they ever have been. A lot of people um, have uh, these memories of Corn that, like you, seeing them at Wembley, you know, because they didn't play this country for such a long time. There are people yeah. of a certain age who first saw them at Wembley on the Issues tour with POD supporting them. Yes, right? that, that was now, the one that I saw. I them. remember going to that and being like, what the fuck has happened to Corn? Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Because, because they changed an they awful changed lot in that time. A hell of a lot. Like those first Brixton Academy shows were really, really violent, like yeah. really super nihilistic, violent, dark, angry shows. And. I'm not saying it was better than them now at their best when they can 
play Wembley Arena and blow bloody Slipknot off stage. Like they can't yeah. do that when yeah. they've got that many anthems. Yeah. But it's different. It's really, yeah. really different. Um, as a, as a Slipknot from as a uh, Slipknot. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, similar transition in a mm, way. Very much so. In yeah. a way. Um, so basically, I think Corner are a very different band now. Yes. I don't think we've had a, an album which is in any way comparable to that first album, those first two albums since then, really. I mean, you could put in number three, but it's not a good record. Depends how you mean comparable. I mean, three does sound like self-titled and uh, Life is Peachy, but yeah. It's not but impactful, it's not, though, is not it? impactful in the no. same way. No. Now, the circumstances <clears> of this <throat> album, um, I'm sure many of you will know, Jonathan Davis's wife died at the end of last year. Um, and Corn have always been a band that have sort of encouraged Jonathan to go deep, deep into his inner turmoil. But over the years, I felt like that hasn't really been high on their list of priorities to do. They still write angry songs. They still write heavy songs. Mm. But with the exception of Corn 3, which really felt like he was, and I think he said in interviews, he was being forced to try and bring up trauma that he'd now, that he'd long sort of since dealt with. Sort of dealt yeah. with yeah. Yeah. Um, we now have a record where he really does have some legit trauma in his life. Yeah. Um, and I think it's made for a very, very interesting and very different album that than you would have got if it had just been another Corn album. Yeah. Undoubtedly, it's had a massive uh, influence on mm. this album. There's no two ways about it. And that's made obvious from the very first track. Yeah, the end begins, which is, you know, the sound of Jonathan crying. Breaking down and crying. Breaking down and crying. Which some people at this point will probably be going, well, they've done that before. They have done that before. Um, or the, and, and I was sort of torn listening to it because listening to it, it's, it is impactful still. But then there was sort of the cynic part of me going, you have done this before. Um, I wasn't I, sure, really. I, that is, I think that's really, I think that's really quite cynical. I'm going to say okay. that straight away. Right, I'll tell right. you why. Because mm. Jonathan Davis has always sung about what is going on in his life. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, I feel like you have to approach this in a slightly different way. I know people, if I bring up Skeleton Tree by Nick Cave, mm -hmm. right, um, immediately people will go, you can't compare that and that. And <clears throat> no, you know, they're not the same at all. Like there is obviously a similar thematic um, emotional drive that mm. has helped shape those records. Mm. But yes, there are bands that go into these areas a lot harder and a lot stronger and and have no kind of interest in, you know, there are singles on this record. There are. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, there definitely. are songs that will sound big in arenas yeah and yeah. when you think of cathartic records you don't often think about that but that's the band that corn are in mm. 2019 that's kind of the band that corn always have been mm. i don't really think that i think people have to understand that i don't think this is a cynical move on jonathan's part um, at all maybe i i, I Maybe cynical's the wrong way to put it. 
I just felt like there were there were a myriad of different ways to express grief, and Corn have chosen to express it in a. It, it just I'm just talking about this one track to be clear. Chosen to express it in a very similar manner to something that is very 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 famous from their first record, and that to me was, a, in a way, a surprise because it's almost giving. Um, detractors ammunition and maybe they just don't give a fuck well I, don't. I don't think those people those i don't think those that should be thought of as ammunition for people because he ch- i mean to me the point would be mm. he chose to do that in 1994 and no one had ever done it before really there was nothing yeah. in kind of metal yes, that yeah, sounded yeah, like definitely. that yeah right now here we are 25 years later mm. and he's probably feeling in a similar way. Absolutely. He's going yeah, yeah. through something similar. So he, you know, he has those thoughts that are as real and as vivid as they would have been on that first album. They're that strong mm. and he's expressing them in a way that is natural to the way that he expresses things. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't think you should, do you know what I mean? It would be like, when we reviewed the Linguita Ignota album to bring that up, which again is a much more viscerally impactful record, but is not for the majority of people. Mm. But if she brings another album out, which is really angry, you can't go, well, you've done that. Do you know what I mean? I don't think people Um, will go, you've done that. I think that would be, you have to go, well, that's what that, that's what this artist is, isn't it? Surely. And I actually feel like this album feels way realer because it's the first time since that first Corn album, and maybe there are touches, only touches, even on Life is Peachy, mm. I felt like those bits were maybe, you know, there's a few little, like Mr. Rogers, there's mm. a bit of... You were maybe pushing that and, towards that because that's your MO kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, I definitely felt it on Corn 3. But yes. here... It feels really real to me. To, to be to be super clear, um, I'm not saying that any of this feels forced or fake. I'm I'm yeah. just saying, um, going back to the Skeleton Tree example, um, Nick Cave had never released an album like Skeleton Tree before. No, um, I don't think the nothing overall is. Hmm. I don't think it's like Corn Self Titled debut album. Uh, I think it's broader. I think there's more to it. Um, and actually, overall, I think it's more interesting than Korn's first de- yeah. debut album. But there are undoubtedly... <laughs> if you were going to be lazy about it, you could say this is what Korn 3 should have been. <laughs> which, which you know, from the point of view of like going back to something traumatic and trying to express that again. Mm. Um, but I suppose... But this isn't even... I mean... I guess the thing is that this isn't even really going back to something traumatic. This would have no. Been, this is less than a year ago, and they've been writing mm. it and recording it. Yeah. We're talking about less than a year. Yeah. That and and that for me, uh, when I got this album, I I didn't, you know, it didn't. I knew of the circumstances surrounding Jonathan's personal life because it had been in the news, and but it didn't even. Because of how much they changed, it didn't even register in my mind that we might get an album about kind of all that 
to sort of explicitly reference what had happened mm. in the last year. Mm. Because I thought to myself, well, maybe that's just not what Corn. They just don't really do that anymore. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And actually, for him to have made a record which <sighs> leans really heavily on how upset he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's remarkably brave. Yeah, it, and, I think he's really, really brave. And I, and I think, again, you know, I, what I was sort of trying to say before about it's not like Skeleton Trees, you know, that Corn are not similar artists to the sort of artists that they're not a Scott Walker or a Nick Cave. And, and I think people like to go, well, you think this is emotional. And I think it's a really kind of snobby, shitty, gatekeepy attitude to have about ba- mainstream big rock bands because in comparison to... Corn's peers, peer group, fucking Five Finger Death Punch yeah. or Godsmack or yeah. you know Volbeat or whatever, they are doing something far more a creative and b far more real sounding mm. and genuine um, and unfiltered mm. than any of those bands. Yeah. Do. To be clear, there is nothing about this. I'm not in any way saying that I think any of this is no, not. No, I'm genuine. kind of preempting what <laughs> I think people will say. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that would be a really um, poor way to look at it in lots of ways. Mm. Um, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose that was... That moment on Daddy was so iconic to a lot of people, especially of our generation. I suppose it's just going to evoke. The the first track just immediately evoked that to me and it was very difficult to shake it on first listen, I suppose. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'd I'd almost like to move on from that because overall, I think not only is this a great corn record, but I think it's the best record they've released for for years so i don't really want to focus on that tiny minor gripe too much no no but i mean i think it's it's really important that we address that and not it's not just that one song either is it no no, let's be honest you know jonathan is in a pretty bad way throughout this entire record as as anyone would be yeah he is in a bad way and he is really open and like you know the thing that probably so here's the thing about it is that the thing that probably attracted so many people, like, you know, you call daddy an iconic moment. The mm. thing that attracted so many people to corn in the first place is, is that is yeah. the fact that the visceral viscerally and, open yeah. and was able, you know, he was literally a grown man weeping uh, on their yeah. first record. And, O- never... On what was what was a very macho yeah. uh, genre at the time as yeah. well, and for them to kind of come back twenty five years later, having changed as much as they have changed, and and deliver an album which you know to me there are moments in it where particularly for a band that headline Wembley Arena mm. and are a quote unquote you know new metal band who mm. are a classic at this point you know a classic metal band who don't need to be taking risks in any way at all Mm, mm, for them to be mm, you know musically taking risks for them to be lyrically and for jonathan to go back and go you know uh, to be this open and this sort of honest throughout this record yeah i actually i completely agree with you this is the best corn album for fucking forever Mm. like it's it really is and just you know and and i think it's unfortunately all those times that because every record is considered the best corn record in forever when those other publications and those other people say oh this is the best corn record ever it people are going to be like oh yeah 
you said that about the serenity of suffering <laughs> or you, but really yes this is. is the best corn album <laughs> since i've not really thought about it um since when do you think it is since um i mean it's i really like the path of totality so mm. uh, being kind of um being uh really sort of conservative about it i would mm. definitely say since the um since the path of totality mm -hmm. but i would probably say since untouchables mm. yeah probably realistically yeah mm. um and i think most people would have heard cold by now the single yeah and that single gives you an idea of what you're heading into in terms of the musical territory they're going to into it feels like there are kind of the best way I can describe it is really electronic elements, really, which really make everything sound a lot heavier, I find. I, I think, you know? I mean, did you listen to, I mean, I'm not sure we have ever spoken about it, but did you listen to Black Labyrinth, the Jonathan Davis solo record that came out last year? I didn't actually, no. Right, okay, because that wasn't a great record. Mm. Like, it was, it was an interesting record, but it wasn't mm. a great record. But what it had, which I thought was particularly interesting, was, you know, as you said, Jonathan's always said how much he likes Depeche Mode mm. and Duran Duran and particularly mm. The Cure. You could hear loads of The Cure, loads of like The Mission, um, bits of, I don't know, um, Susie and the Banshees mm -hmm. and uh, Killing Joke as mm -hmm. well. And and goth, you know, yeah. goth music. There's a lot of that on it. And We did the Queen of the Damned soundtrack as yeah. well, didn't we? Which yeah, is yeah, this yeah. gothy thing. And here you get a lot of the sort of things that he experimented on on that record. Oh, right. Kind of coming, kind of being merged with what the other guys in corn do and that's cool i mean that makes me want to listen to that jonathan davis record now yeah i mean it's good i mean stuff like um can you hear me mm. uh is really very kind of uh, kind of post-punk but with new metal guitars and i think the production on the record's fucking outstanding yeah, as well. it's fantastic. i think it sounds amazing i think monkey and heads guitars you know there's a level of intensity in in everyone else in the band that I think is who have sort of tried to match Jonathan's state of mind. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think this I agree. is very, very definitely like to me. Without one, you know, I'm not downplaying the rest of the guys in the band, but this is a Jonathan Davis record. It's a Jonathan Davis record, but it also feels like. Um, the rest of the members of Corn have really rallied around him mm. um, and gone, we will step up our parts to match what you're bringing to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the the detuned Corn seven string sound has become incredibly passe now, really, in the last 25 years. It has. Yeah. So when you hear it, and it hits you again and it reminds you, oh, yeah, that's why I really responded really well to that sound in the first place. And they have managed to do that with this album, I think. Definitely. Um, and I haven't heard that from a Korn record for a long time. Maybe bits and pieces of the paradigm shift. But even then, you know, I'd be being quite conservative saying that, you know. Yeah, I think um, so. I mean, what they did on Korn 3, I think, is try to... Because if you listen to the first Korn album with ears of today it's really muddy the production yeah i love ross robinson's production style yeah. but it it's aged okay uh yeah but it definitely sounds it sounds of its time yeah, of its time yeah. um whereas they sound super 
slick and harsh and precise. Yeah. You know, they've managed to do, you know, like you say, that downtune seven string guitar riffing, mm-hmm. which is all about mud and then squill and mm-hmm. like that those two like that go go that thing yeah um they've managed to, to to kind of just carry on doing that and make it sound really fucking heavy yep. but sound really modern and contemporary as yep. well and it, and it sounds amazing this yeah record. it really does Fieldy's bass tones again sound like i i really love like Fieldy's a weird bass player because he's essentially yep. just punching his instrument isn't he yep. but um <laughs> like along with the drums um but he sounds great. Like, you know, he's, the actual, it sounds brilliant. And I wanted to talk about Ray Luzier a bit. I oh, yes. Later. Can we now all agree that Ray Luzier is the definitive, that this is the classic corn lineup and Ray Luzier is the definitive corn drummer? Oh. Can we say that? Uh, do you know what? The, the the tricky thing with it is because they haven't released many of their classic records yeah. with him. Is he the best drummer in corn? That like, who's ever been in corn? Um, Possibly, probably. Well, 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 listen, right. This is it's a lovely man as well. Have you is met he? Ray I've never met him, oh, he's lovely. Yeah. He's very, very nice. I mean, Ray Luzio has almost certainly not played on the best corn albums. No, no, definitely not. But apart from this one, mm-hmm. which would probably be fairly high up in my list of yep, it be un- undoubtedly be in my top five. Mm. Um, and but he's a fucking class drummer. He is, and he's a better drummer. He is a better drummer than David Silvera. Yeah. Definitely. Are we including Mike Portnoy? Or does that not help? No. Or okay. well, it was Mike, Mike Portnoy. Sorry, um, Mike Borden. Mike Borden. Hell. Sorry. Yeah. No, we can't count Mike Borden. Okay. He just filled in, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So we can't count him. Um, I mean, but the thing, you know, obviously David Silvera wrote some really fucking memorable parts yep. and was very, very much responsible for creating or helping to create the signature sound of Corn. Yep. And for that, he should be respected. Absolutely. But what Ray Luzier does is similar enough in style to David Silvera to maintain the, 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 the that kind of iconic core sound of Corn. He just he adds his own flourishes. He just he? he's just far more interesting a drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like it's a really similar style, but he's just and he's fucking great on this record. There are bits where he sounds like I mean, and I mean fleeting bits, but there are fleeting bits where he sounds like Neil Peart on this record. Yeah. You know, like Rush style fills and things like that. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. Um, a, a really incredible drummer. I didn't realise what... Oh, this is going to sound like a... Hum, not a humble brag. This is just going to sound like a brag. Uh, I didn't realise what a brilliant drummer he was until I got invited to see Korn's Made of Ale session. Um, mm-hmm. And being in the room with him really made me go, fuck me, he's incredible. You know, being like a couple of metres away from him, I realised he's fucking incredible, isn't he? You know? Um, yeah, totally back you up on that. Yeah, I'd also say like there's some of the, I mean, some of the Jonathan's best hooks for donkey's years mm. are on this record. There are bits like um, this song "Finally Free," and the really nice thing about this is I'm mentioning songs which are like eight or nine tracks into the record as well, and I don't feel like I've managed been able to do that with the Corn record for a long time because they yeah. really have been a singles band for a long time. But "Finally Free" has this really bizarre michael jackson-esque style backing vocal to yeah it, yeah which you'd never expect would work but it's brilliant and then just makes the chorus so much more crushing when yeah. it does come in 
And then the Ringmasters chorus, which is track 10, I think. Yeah, it's right at the end of the record, yeah. One of my favourite songs on the record. It's been very long. It's been a very long time since track 10 on a Korn album is even worth bothering listening to, in my opinion, let alone being one of the best on the album. Um, and that, and so much of that is to do with Jonathan. So much of it. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan is really, this is a standout job. And I mean, the thing is, so... We take the piss out of Jonathan Davis's voice a fair bit, like the metal scene in general yeah, does, yeah, yeah. because he does go, <laughs> like he's got that. And everyone, everyone does a Jonathan Davis. Yeah, everyone does. Yeah. And goes, boing, and yeah. all this stuff. But the thing is, it, it's he's always been a unique vocalist. You can kind of take the piss, but his voice is so instantly recognisable as Jonathan Davis. No one else sounds like Jonathan Davis. Well... He, you know, you you could you could you could argue that the the vocalists that you take the piss out of are those unique vocalists because yeah. they have those unique phrases and stylings and you know there's the everyone does the Hetfield, yeah. everyone does the Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder everyone does Phil Anselmo, yeah. and you know people who are mocking quote unquote these vocalists they're actually kind of it's yeah, actually you don't just sound like a generic vocalist exactly exactly yeah. so yeah I mean I think. Almost in a way, the more a vocalist is mocked, probably the better they are mm. in a lot of ways. And his voice is... like The, the other thing about this is, it, I think, bringing up the first Corn album again, his voice has changed so much yeah. over the years. Yeah. You know, there's a bit where um, this loss, it goes from this kind of jazz croon to just losing his shit and bringing mm. in that that death metal growl. I think I've yeah. spoken before about how oh. over the years he's developed an, a, a death metal vocal. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, which he does a lot on this record. Yeah, he does. It's and, fantastic. And, it's, and it sounds fucking great. Mm. It, it really does. And, you know, there's. it's been, like you say, it's been a, a long time since you've heard him sound like, I mean, what is a song um, uh, on uh, The Darkness Is Revealing? the end bit on the dances revealing mm -hmm. where it just sort of goes bang and they all go da, 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 and he's like da, 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 and it's proper like, and you just go fuck mm -hmm. me that mm -hmm. really sounds like corn yeah. as you used to know them yep. but it's more mature it's more measured I mean you know before when it was like just him screaming oh why 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 you know corn corn was great because it is the sound of you know adolescence being it's a sound of kind of pure not understanding your own adolescent rage do you know mm. what i mean vitriol being expunged yeah almost yeah. and it's like why you know him just going why 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 and you, i think when you're you're younger you probably do go I, I don't get why these bad you know why am i getting bullied at school or yeah. you know why won't this happen to me? do you know what i mean yeah like, yeah oh, that, i felt like that. corn definitely. corn were at their most important bit. to me when i was 14 for a reason yeah, yeah definitely whereas now like it's not the same level of you know fuck you i'm fed up with you i won't mm. you know it's not this album is not that it's much more um it's much more i think it's it's more mature and more measured and it feels like he's working through stuff that he kind of understands like there's a line on it um for every good thing i do there's a price to pay mm. and when you hear stuff like that it's hard not to go fucking hell that's heavy like that's really mm. heavy like especially mm. <laughs> again in the context of a mainstream rock band, mm. like there's some really heavy themes and questions being answered. And 
I would feel like you'd be quite a quite a heartless person not to feel any level of um kind of empathy with Jonathan on this on this record because mm. everything about it feels really real to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, very much so. Far more so in his performance in my opinion. Um I don't want to take it back and start criticizing again too much because I do want to give the impression that overall this record is amazing. The only thing I'd pick you up on with that is I don't think Jonathan's ever been a good lyricist. Um no, and probably I, not. And I still um Every corn album has a moment where I cringe due to Jonathan's is it lyrics. God is making fun of me. Um, and I can see. I don't. Actually, I wasn't even going to p- pick out a moment. Um, and actually, I think that works quite well with the rest of the record. But um, this is the least cringeworthy he's been for an awfully long time. Let's yeah. just say that. But if you've never liked Jonathan's lyrics, you're not going to suddenly like them now. No, I think. But I his think, performance is incredible. I it? think context is plays quite a big part as well yeah. because the, you know there is that line god is making fun of me he's up there laughing i can see you know that yeah and and there's I a lot of me if, see if you would if you didn't know what this album was about or you didn't have that context you might go well that's a bit crap yeah yeah but, then, but knowing but kind of knowing actually i think he gets away with a lot more i agree on this record because i agree because it yeah. feels realer his performance is better and the context for it allows you to kind of go yeah well you know you probably do feel well actually just to take that and run with it i think i think the better a perform a vocal performance is the more you can get away with not great lyrics i suppose what i'm trying to say is i don't think the lyrics are any better on this record than they are on most other corn records however the performance is so good you rarely notice it Mm. whereas on you know, particularly latter day corn records. I notice it all the flipping time. See you on the other side is just a whole, a whole litany of yeah. embarrassing, cringeworthy yeah, uh, Jonathan lyric, Jonathan lyrics. You know, yeah. but that is not the case with the album at all because the performance is so there and it's so strong and and yeah. Mm. But I have to say, I am to, to be coming in and talking about an album where thirteenth album, thirteenth album, and it's very rare that you get a decent. 13th album from a band but for me this actually i never thought we'd get an album which it's not as dark and it's not as um oh, i don't know i, I don't know dark's a word. pretty I, dark yeah. yeah i don't know it, it's not as viscerally instant like it's not as, as obviously viscerally pain inducing as the first record do you mm. know what i mean but to get to the point where Corner recalling that first record as a modern band and it doesn't sound cringy, it doesn't sound rubbish, I think is some hell of an achievement, really. Yeah. I, I, because I, it's pretty yep. much the first time since that first album that they've released a record which is so bleak thematically Um yeah, I, I almost think that this is it, this is most comparable to that first record, just yep. because of how fucking bleak this is. Yeah, I I completely agree. I and completely agree. Bad. And yet, it's not. It is not simply where Corn Three failed because they were trying to rehash that bleakness. Uh, the nothing excels because I don't think they were trying to. I think it just naturally came out due to circumstances Mm -hmm. i agree 
uh, it's very good. It's very, very good. Like, like genuinely, very surprisingly. Good. Yeah, it's really very, very good. And I, and that's not to say that we were sitting there being like corn because I think both of us at least go, you know, even calling a band a singles band. Yeah, thirteen albums into their career is is all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I think we both really want to like. Mm. Um, I just didn't expect to as much as this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It is the 13th album from Corn. It's called The Nothing. If you've checked out of Corn, if you've been like, nah, fuck that, I don't care. Um, you know, they've been treading water for too long. I really would advise you to go and listen to this. Yeah. we'd. I'd love to hear from people who, where that's been the case, where people have checked out of Corn and then they've listened to this and they've gone, holy shit, this is mm. brilliant. Mm. You know. And and other people, I suppose. We can hear from you as well. <laughs> I'm sure. I know we will. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Scott Walker. I know, really. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. Hawkeye's Advice. This is the third album from the UK Underground Heroes. Fourth, if you want to be a cunt and count Chicken Hawk. I was about to be a cunt. Yeah, um, that's why I put that in. Uh, <laughs> speaking of cunts, bonjour, get off that computer. <laughs> She jumps up, doesn't she? Stands on the keys and has yeah. now deleted my opening segment. Yeah, quite likely. Yeah. Fuck off, bunch Um of. I feel like there are two reactions to people when you ask them, do you like Hawkeyes? The first reaction is people either go, Hawkeyes, I don't know who that is. Or people go, Hawkeyes, oh my God, they're the best. There is a tiny, small group um, of twats who go, Chicken Hawk were better. Um, wow. but uh, for context Chicken Hawk the, the band used to be called Chicken Hawk for their first album and then they changed their name to Hawkeyes but that's not true and they're idiots they're the same type of people who say uh, Metallica Dave. were better when Dave Mustaine was in the band really? yeah wow. <laughs> I can't imagine people who get who love Dave Mustaine loving <laughs> Hawkeyes or Chicken Hawk no exactly but anyway um, Hawkeyes are a phenomenal phenomenal band um just a brilliant brilliant modern rock band who have great choruses but interesting interesting rock songs as well written from a you know a a a brilliant level of songwriting nous and twists and turns um that we just don't see very many of these days my goodness bonjour's just scowled for some reason <laughs> because know. steve seemed to be stroking her i don't know like what the <laughs> hell's like, wrong with her i prefer a chicken hawk <laughs> <laughs> that'll be it yeah um, um you're an idiot bonjour why'd you do that Okay. But we both adored yeah. the second album ideas. I'm calling it the second album. Mm. Um, we but also we did a writer's review on everything is fine. The yeah. third album is that third, uh, which is excellent as well. Yeah. Um, do you want to start? Shall I start? I'll start. I don't mind starting. Uh, starting this one. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long while. It's been five years. Yeah, yeah. It's been Four a very. Th- th- I mean, they're not. They're not a band known for um, being speedy, anyway. No. But yes, it's been a long old while. It's actually. I think it was actually early 2015. The last one came out, so it's nearly five years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, the the thing I liked about Ideas was it was kind of alternative rock with that kind of Dillinger anger. Mm-hmm. added to it and then, i believe you described it as Foo fighters meets dillinger i did i think yeah mm. and then which is a for that record is an excellent 
compar- um, uh, comparison. Observation. Observation, there you Thank go. You. Uh, less so Latter-day Hawkeyes, although yes, you didn't the, use it for that, so that's Yeah, fine. and then on that last <laughs> album, it felt like there was still a bit of that, but they'd gone into some more kind of stompy territory, uh, some more, rather than just going like, ah, here's everything, and widdly, widdly, widdly. That sort of started to get phased out. They did an interview, with a very early interview with me for The Independent, where they basically said, we've shown that we can play, mm. and now we want to write songs. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess uh, that's why you shouldn't be surprised that advice is much more in the vein of songwriting yeah. and rock songs as opposed to craziness. Although there is some different types of craziness yep. on this record. There are moments, but but for the more part, this is definitely um, a progression from everything is fine rather than a progression from ideas. Yeah, which would make sense because... Absolutely. You know, that's what they've been beavering away at. Making, yep. uh, <laughs> um, now, uh, the, the, the thing is, is I actually... Everything was is fine... I kind of quite liked at first. Um, yes, I and would agree. I, and I feel like I liked it more as time progressed. It's it's it, <laughs> it's grown on me almost in the same way that Tool's Ten Thousand Days grew on me. I don't. I mean, we talked about that a little bit last week, but yeah. um, when I first heard Ten Thousand Days, I was like, "It's a very good album." And now I think it's an absolute bona fide masterpiece, classic. Yeah. So yeah, it grew on me in a similar way. Yes, um, and I get the feeling that I might feel like that about this as well. Yes. I reckon it might be a bit of a grower. Because yes. it's not necessarily the most instantaneous record. Um, and that's not to say that the, the kind of the hooks are gone, and that's not to say that the interesting guitar riffs have gone. No. They're quite... An, an, the way they write riffs is, is really great. The way they make weird riffs sound catchy yep. is great. Um, they do have the odd good hit hook throughout this record yep. hick, hook. there are um, there's a number of them yeah there is um, a number of them. I've heard uh, the odd one. follow me i don't even know if follow me is the single or not but i'm kind of guessing it is because it, they've released like three or four songs oh have them. they okay well it's just instant gratification but mm. still brilliant on several listens just a fantastic song perfect again is absolutely fantastic yeah like very driving and anthemic and kind mm-hmm. of very um happy sounding sort of um yeah there's loads of brilliant stuff the, the state of opposition I state really of like. opposition it's absolutely great. yeah 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 and even um, the way the first royal trouble the way the first yep. rift just goes bang and you're into that yeah yep, um but yep. it is a much more it, it reminds me in some parts of kind of earlier sound garden oh okay you know they, yeah i can see there's that a lot of lumber in bass yeah and it does like it does take its time yeah. to get i mean you know when you think of ideas a lot of the songs were two and a half it's slightly under three minutes long. Yeah. Um, there's only one song on this entire record which is less than three minutes. Um, you're looking at kind of four and a half to five minutes for most, between four and five minutes for most of the songs mm. on this record. Mm. There's only like three that drop under the four minute mark out mm. of the 11 that are on there. Oh, sorry, four uh, that drop under the, the, the four minute mark of the 11 tracks. So mm-hmm. it is definitely a longer record. It is definitely a, uh, a slower build, maybe not even a slower build, but just, you know, it, there it's, it's not as pacey. It's just not as pacey yeah, as yeah. they were before. I do. I mean, I think what we're trying to get to here is 
one or two of the tracks could probably have done with a bit of snipping here and there. We're not talking St. Anger level snipping, but, yeah. you know, 30 seconds here and there kind of thing. You know, not that you chop records up like that, but like, yeah, I think it could have been a little bit quicker paced. If that yeah. Makes sense. I mean, those Dylan just gate plan comparisons are long gone. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like definitely. long, long gone. Yeah. Um, the, do you know who they most remind me of now hey. in this incarnation? Um, Jamie Lenman. Oh, okay. I think they've got... I think Jamie does more stuff yeah. over the course of his record. Like, undoubtedly, he does, yeah. he does more, stu- more, more stuff than... Most people. Most, yeah, 99% yeah, yeah, yeah. of people. Yeah. But there is a similar mix of tunefulness, um, abstract, esoteric riffs, and kind of balls, you know, just rock heaviness that sit together. And Jamie does that very... Jamie does that better than most people that's fair i saw hawkeye support jamie once um in 2013 i mean yeah that makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah definitely uh, and they've got their own weird little bit of their, their own kind of weird sense of humor and you know it doesn't, definitely got a weird sense of humor yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily feel like you know everyone it, some rock bands are sort of po-faced and serious and and they're i don't feel like hawkeyes are no not in the slightest most of the lyrics on this record you should take with a pinch of salt it's quite amusing but um you kind of need to know the guys to know that (laughs) which i don't know i don't know how well that would translate like a song like um perfect again is of course is basically and i'm i am perfect again and there's (laughs) no way um that, they, that any of the members of that band would ever say that, that about themselves sincerely yeah so. and kind of most sort of you know sort of much more english um uh I, I, an iconic english um oddball mm. appearing on the record richard o'brien of the rocky horror picture show stroke crystal maze stroke not been on telly for years depending on your age um <laughs> i mean fame fame yeah is is on this record rich actual mm. richard o'brien yes um now i heard i was informed that richard o'brien was going to be on this record a few months ago and i was just like what that is typical hawkeyes as in and when i say typical hawkeyes what i mean is throwing a massive curveball um and i was quite excited to hear it because i was like what on earth is that going to be um i think it's probably the worst part of the the album yeah i don't really care for this i mean it's funny to he doesn't really sound like richard o'brien anymore no (laughs) it sounds old doesn't it i was like who's this and i looked at it i was like oh my god it's richard o'brien i didn't know when i first listened to it i was like oh what's going on here it sounds like a sort of 70s cop show thing yeah yeah well this is like a third hand story so please don't take this as red but i think they basically were joking around and said wouldn't it be funny if we got someone like richard o'brien on this track and then they contacted him and amazingly he said yes and they were like oh fuck we've got to do it now (laughs) he'll do anything so he like you know name drop alert well it was richard o'brien um (laughs) My ex-girlfriend's uh, godfather is Richard O'Brien. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Wow. We, we lived together and I was going out with her for five years. You lived years. with Richard O'Brien? No. Right. Her, I said, didn't I? So, so you know, obviously, we were, she wasn't just someone that went out with for a couple of weeks. Like, we were together for five years and her godfather Have you met Richard O'Brien? O'Brien? I've met Richard O'Brien. Holy n- fuck. Numerous amount of times. What was that like? Uh, he is fine. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> okay. He 
he's fine. He fine. turned up like she. Well, she put on uh, a sort of a comedy show once, and Richard O'Brien turned up with an acoustic guitar in a dress and right. just got on and sang the Time Warp. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's that's nice. the first time I met him. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. And he, yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he's a, an eccentric man. To, yeah, to say the least. But, uh, but, uh, you know, a bit of a, but an icon, I suppose. Like, yeah, I mean, my God, I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I tell you, in mm. her, Mike's girlfriend's mum's house, if you watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the room where they turn into stone, in the, in the, Frankenfurter's lab mm. they've got those big white sort of Roman style columns, columns yeah she's got two of them in her in her house wicked yeah. oh wow and okay Bonjour used to sit on the top of one of them oh there we go probably did a shit on top of one of them I bet Bonjour well it's did. hollow so we were and it was nailed down so we had to put something on top of it because she used to get up and sort of look in and it's about 10 foot high so if she'd have fallen <laughs> in you'd have had to cut it off cut it in half to get her out and her mum always used to be like, don't let that cat jump on the thing. She's absolutely going to ruin. She goes in there. She's going to have to stay in there and die in there. And just throw food down the hole. And I was like, fucking kick it over. Oh. Um, anyway. That was a brilliant analogy of our current political situation, I feel like. Was it? What? Oh, never Cats mind. falling down the hole. No, yeah. just, just people not caring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Just people not caring. Um... <laughs> So my problem with it is, um, it is track seven, I believe that track. It's called Smokes. Yeah, it's the shortest one on the record. Shortest one on the record. But the thing is, is I think at that point in the album, listening to it as an album, um, it's built some really pretty great momentum up to that point. And then it, for me, it pops like a fucking deflated balloon. Uh, Not like a deflated balloon. It pops like a balloon which has been blown up and becomes deflated as a result of the popping. Mm. Still better at singing than Ollie Sykes, though, right? Of course, of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you saying "Hand in My Heart Cage"? See, I think "State of Opposition" comes after that, and that's great. Um, I, I think I think "Hand in My Heart Cage" begins to pep it up a little bit, and then and then once we get back to uh, "State of Opposition," um, we're yeah. back on track again. Yeah. Uh, but then there's only three songs left of the album. I'm like, ugh. And to be honest, that I mean, now that I've said it aloud, that sounds like a really not even a harsh criticism but very very kind of um detailed but i suppose i love this band i know what this band are capable of mm. and they're I think capable what you're saying Rimfrey, in a roundabout sort of way is the second half of the record is not as good as the first half of the record um sort yes i would say that but i would also but i do think the last three tracks are great yeah yeah i think so win, really it's the win middle. on win and stay in opposition i think are really good Keeping Cold is five and a half minutes, and I'm not sure it needs to. That, that's one of those ones where I'm like, it doesn't need to be five and a half minutes. Mm. And it's not a very. They usually. I'm trying to think what they end their albums on, but usually um, I always. Like, TFF on yeah. Everything is Fine, which is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And Bees on yeah. um, Ideas, which is one of my favourite Hawkeye songs ever. Yeah. And um, Bears uh, by the Head is like straight before that yeah. as well, which is a fucking tune. Yeah. yeah. So they usually end their album strong and I think yeah. it's not ending as strong. Um I think for I them think, I think for them it's a weak ending. I think overall yeah, I, I it's don't okay. I think it's a weak ending at all. Mm. I just think compared comparatively. Yeah. It's not as strong. Um but those songs are good. I think Keeping Cold is just a bit like is a bit long and mm. could have been cut down a bit. Uh and I don't yeah, weirdly you don't really need smokes. Um First five though are great. Are great. And even I mean the title track advice is good as well. But yep. like all these songs are great. I do think it's not as so 
the if I have a and it's not really a complaint is comparing it to Jamie Lenman people might now go wow it's going to sound like loads of other different loads of stuff all like blah 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 everywhere where it's actually again one of the sort of things that people can say about the Tool album that they don't like is the fact that two minutes the first up until Tempest everything is a, of a similar pace mm. um, and I think this isn't as dynamic as ideas do you know what yeah now that you've said that aloud I think that's that's a lot. I don't think it's even as dynamic as everything is fine. Oh, no, no. It's, it's Maybe fine. that's my issue. Maybe that's... Because I've, I've had this for a little while. It's actually been... This review has been bothering me because th- there is something that's nagging at me that I don't like about this album. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think you've hit it on the head. I think it's dynamics. It, it just... For me, it just... It's a very good album, but it just doesn't have the dynamic shifts that previous Hawkeye's records have. I almost feel like I could say if this, if you haven't heard a Hawkeye's album and you listen to this record, I imagine most people would be like, that's a really good, good album. Yeah. But then if you went back to uh, everything is fine and, and ideas, you'd be like, holy shit. You know, you'd mm. have your mind blown. So mm. yeah, I lo- I really like it. And I think it's worth, well worth, I mean, Hawkeye's, I just want to, uh, have amazing, awesome success, and I think they're brilliant. And I think everyone should listen to this album. Yeah, me too. As well as their back catalogue. Yeah, they, um, they. I mean, this isn't like this isn't even them dropping the ball. No, this is just a different type of album to their last couple of records. Yeah, that probably we like that other stuff a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? We like yeah. it to be. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely like them being heavy and crazy and, mm. you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, mm. all that stuff. Mm. And I'm probably not going to get that back. No. To the same extent. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't like this. I do like this. I just maybe like that other style a bit more. Yeah. And as you said, at the, and that's fine. at the top of this review, everything is fine. Took a few years to get into. And I get the feeling that in a year's time, I'm going to like this a lot more than I currently do. Yeah, so. definitely. But still... You need to check out Hawkeyes, yeah? Yes. Or we'll beat Immediately. you up. Uh, so that's Advice by Hawkeyes, and it is out right now. It's actually the only album this week that we're reviewing that actually is out. Today. Uh, today. Um, because this next one is, much like the Corn album, is not out for another week yet. It is from Microwave. The album is called Death is a Warm Blanket. It's going to be the name of my memoirs. <laughs> um and uh yeah fucking happy sounding record that is death is a warm blanket um this is the third album from the georgian quintet are they a quintet or a quartet quartet i think quartet okay um yeah now i was kind of familiar with this band because they get name checked a lot yeah by bands that i like yes. as an influence and as a band who are a sort of similar sounding act um i was sort of thinking brand new and jimmy Eat world and that kind of thing that's what I expected from this record, Renfrey. I think that's not what I got, though. No. Um, yeah, Are you. I don't think you'd be wrong to make the brand new and Jimmy Eat World comparisons. Um, even more contemporary par- comparisons like um, Can't Swim, um, I Told You I Would Eat You, um, uh, bands like that. The, bands with an emo-y tinge, but yeah. we don't call them emo because emo was ruined That's for 10 years word, and no. it's a dirty word. Um, yeah, and they've released this third album and it's far more aggressive mm. um, than they've been in the past. Um, it's far more... It's far darker. Um, 
but also still has those very catchy melodies and the, it's inc- i mean if we're talking about dynamic records holy shit this is a dynamic record isn't it yeah there's a lot on here um, there's a lot on here in a very small space of time it's 10 songs i think unlike the hawkeyes record i think there's barely any i don't think any of the songs are over four minutes long no um Oh, I don't know whether to... Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to blow this now because I think it will provide for a more interesting talking point. I think this might be one of my favourite albums of the year. It's really good. I think it's fucking amazing. It's really good. Um, And after their last record, which was called Much Love, Mm. um, good record, very good, I'd even say. Um, But I was not expecting a jump like this in terms of style yeah i mean it sort of knocked me for six a little bit I've got yeah to be honest because it was yeah. absolutely you know when you expect something yeah. i mean the, so the first song is called leather daddy which is a yeah. nice arrested development reference by yeah. the way um and it was kind of started off with like you know this clean acoustic picking yeah. thing and it was like oh this is exactly what i expected, expected it, to it to be and then it goes full like josh scoggin yeah from 68 yeah. and chariot Jean and chariot and yeah. i was like wow he's really screaming and yeah this is really heavy and yeah. i thought oh that's not kind of what i expected it to be and i think part of why i adore this album is every single song on it sounds like it could have been written by a different band and yet it flows yeah they've achieved something which up until now i thought was borderline impossible <laughs> mm. um well, i mean that first song leather daddy is yeah four minutes long and i thought well maybe that's some sort of weird single or maybe that's some sort of just oddity from the record because i really didn't expect this to be this mm. and then the next song float to the top sounds like it starts like it could be like something the mark lanigan band would do yeah do you know what i mean and then it quickly becomes obvious to me that oh well, this isn't your typical emo band and then it goes into almost like, I mean, I hate to use a term like US radio rock, but US radio rock, like the sort of stuff that we normally go, ugh, at, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they're using they're that within, well. yeah, and making it sound really good. And I, um, you know, I, I, I compared it to, to oh, let me have a look. I, these are the, the, the bands I wrote down while I was listening to this. Mm. Um, Far, Stone Temple Pilots, Tall, Brand New, Nine Inch Nails, Of Mice and Men, Nirvana, At The Gates, Can't Swim, Chevelle, Curb Dog, Jimmy Eat World, Killing Joke, Queens of Stone Age, Deftones, Feeder, and Sensefield. Now, that's pretty, is that too that's much? Is that too much? I mean, maybe um, that's yeah. too diverse. This is a record which is, I think, under half an hour long as well. Or it's around 30 minutes. Yeah, it's around 30 minutes, yeah. Um, I, I, there aren't any there that I disagree with. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm, do you know what the records this week I have literally, I, I've listened to the microwave album. Then I've listened to one of the other records we need to listen to. And then I've listened to the microwave album and then I've listened to one of the other records and then I've listened to the microwave album. I've literally listened to it in between every other record. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to give that microwave record one more go because fuck me. I love it. And every single time I come back to it, I hear something different in it. My favourite song on the record has changed six times. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's just brilliant. I mean, one band you didn't mention there, which I think this has quite a lot of, is uh, Latter-day Fugazi. 
Yeah. Um, well, mate, there's more actually. Like even as I'm going through the songs, like there's a song called. I mean, it's kind of heavy. It goes. It, there, there are heavy parts, and then there's a song called "The Break Man Has Resigned." Yeah. Which sounds like Norma Jean. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's class yeah um, yeah but it's also got i mean i one of the bands i, I put in there were of mice and men now they're the sort of band that you and i would normally go mm, mm, <laughs> rubbish at do mm. you know what i mean but that song has got a proper clean like whether you know you like that type of thing or not and i don't as generally but I, I think this goes to show that it can be done well. Yeah, exactly. Because it is a proper modern metalcore chorus. Mm, mm. It is one of those anthemic, the sort of thing that you would hear asking Alexandria or fucking one of those bands do. Yeah, but yeah. it's put in amongst this like clattering, pounding drum, dirty chariot, Norma Jean sounding song. It's, yeah. It's pretty mad. And it feels like even though it's so experimental and it's so diverse to me, it feels like every single song is essential on it. Mm. I I feel because, and I think that's partly because I keep changing my mind as to what my favorite song is, but like I couldn't, I mean, there isn't a single note I'd want removed from this album, let alone song. Half an hour, 10 tracks, like you say, nothing over four minutes. Some of them, the shortest one is less than a minute. Yeah. Um, it's called Lovers Tear Us Apart. And that could be like, again, you know, again, that sounds like one line drawing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? I think this is the record. This is one of those records. It's so nice when, like, you like a band anyway. I, I was looking forward to this. I was like, oh, cool. New microwave record. That'll be, that'll be nice. Yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> that was my feeling on it. And then an album comes along and it just totally changes your opinion of what the band even are i mean the last time that happened to me was probably the last foxing record yeah which ended up being my album of the year last year Oops, you know spoiler alert um but probably not i mean but but it I, I would be stunned if this doesn't feature in the top 20 mm. um and it feels like um before this before i listened to this record i thought i knew what microwave were and now i have no idea what they are and actually that's exciting yeah it's really exciting yeah Um, i mean and there are like the best there's shocks not just in terms of the style but like the best chorus on this whole record is not even a chorus it's the verse the first verse of mirrors yeah it's like the best chorus on this fucking album. Yeah. I mean, that's probably my favourite song on the record. Okay. Th- at the moment. But there's a few like W-I, uh, D-A, D-I-A-W. I-E, Death is a Warm Blanket. Death is a Warm Blanket. Yeah, of course. Um, which just sounds like sort of bleach era Nirvana. Yeah. But then with some sort of like thrash interlude in it yep. as well. Yeah. That's great. Is, a song, is it Hate Tate TKO? Something uh, yeah, TKO. Hate TKO. That is like a weird ass psychedelic yeah. masterpiece. Sounds like a, brilliant. the start of it sounds like one of the interludes from Fear Inoculum. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the beginning does. But like they've actually gone, oh, I'll make a song out of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. The last song, what's the last song called again? Part of it. Part of it is like one of the most beautiful endings to an album I've heard, it, sort of in a similar way to Weezer's Butterfly or When You Died by the Menzingers or something like that. Like it is such a beautiful full stop on the record. Although it very rarely is a full stop for me because then I just go back and listen to the whole thing again. Um, but um, 
I'm completely. I, I mean, in many ways, I'm less speechless by this record. I have to because I was. It was so unexpected um, that this is what what it would be, mm. uh, and it's so much better than I expected it to be. It's nice when that happens, isn't it? It's wonderful, and as I say, the last time that happened was Foxing, and it's a record that I feel like is going to make me go back to their first two records and reassess them as well, which is exactly what happened with Foxing last year. Yeah. Um, yeah what a fucking great band like i i can't wait to see this material live and see how it works with their older material as well um but i i yeah i i absolutely love it like are you did has album of the year top 20 even come up in your thoughts regarding this record or you're not there with it yet or um yeah i think it might do like mm. i i wouldn't say definitely not i don't think it's gonna be if i'm being really honest i think there are f- about four or five records at the moment that are all sort of vying for the number one spot and i don't think this is quite as good as any of them <clears throat> mm. to be but clear maybe, to be clear i'm not thinking number one but yeah. it's definitely top 20 um, possibly top 10 but when i think about like the most interesting albums of the year <coughs> I think this is definitely one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'm still trying to work out what it is. Yeah, what it is and whether <laughs> I actually like it or not, you know? Yeah. I think I do like it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's I do. It's, In fact, I, I know I do. It's a it's a really I I I think if you only <coughs> if you do only listen there are some good records this week. But if you only listen to one, please, in my opinion, it should be this album. Yeah, I agree actually. I yeah. think this is I think this is pretty good. Yeah pretty bloody good so there you go uh it's called death of the warm blanket it's by microwave can you tell that i've got something in my throat i can yeah yeah yeah. it's really annoying do you want to like Should i do a stop? live drink of water well, well you could hey, do guys or we could just out. look well we're in the kitchen today because like yeah Renfrey forgot the sd card so no i didn't forget it no youtube um so i'm gonna do a live there's the tap there's the glass here's the water ready everyone it's a big Oh, that's better. Feeling better? A little bit better, yeah. Lovely. It was literally like in the like someone had put a oh. someone got one. Of, what are they called when you get a um, voodoo doll? I feel like someone got a voodoo doll and just put a pin in the side of my neck. I mean, I can think of a few people who might have a voodoo doll of you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that guy who called you a knob cheese on night. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of refused will do when they read next month's Metal Hammer. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert for when we do it. Oh. Yeah, you... anyway, let's move on from Quite that. Quite upset about that. Yeah, oh well. Can't we be good p- forever, can you, Renfrey? We should probably, we probably should cut that, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't know. Um, <laughs> I tweeted it already, so it doesn't okay. really make much difference. Um, our last album this week, before we get into trade-off, the return of trade-off, I forgot to mention uh, is The Road, Reverence Redacted. The Road are a British duo, and this is their debut album. Um, it came out two weeks ago. Yes. <clears throat> so, Renfrey, you know this band, right? You yes. Yes. Uh, I know the drummer of this band and I brought it in because um, <laughs> it was described to me about a year ago as a sort of doom duo. And I even said to my friend at the time, um, I can't think of anything that I would probably dislike more. That feels um, like underselling it quite heavily, I have to say, straight off the I would say that either he was underselling it or 
um, in that year, they've just progressed phenomenally because now that this record is out, um, it surprised me so much based on the description that I'd had a year previous. Um, it's a far more interesting, more diverse record than than that would make you think you know a two-piece they stone do a hell of a lot for two people they do they do um and you know this is to me this is more post-metal really i was gonna say i guess we're calling this post-metal but i i think the problem with that is it's kind of quicker to the point than a lot of post-metal do you know what i mean like the mm. there's it does not take its time Mm, yeah well I don't know. I think you know on the first track mm. you get this kind of intro track which is about two and a half minutes which mm. yeah is a bit of a build but then this guitars come in and it's like Wilhaven style guitar yeah. rather mm. than anything more traditionally you know like it's not like Mogwai or anything it's no. it's fucking heavy this is firmly post metal and absolutely not post rock yeah um uh it, I was surprised at how much they reminded me of Cult of Luna considering there are only two members of of the band there's a mm. guitarist and a drummer and um you know let's not get away from ourselves this is not cult of luna quality but the fact that i was constantly reminded that's cult of luna-esque and there's only two yeah. of them that's pretty fucking impressive yeah um i just think it's something which could show an awful lot of promise and could be you know if this is album number one it makes me think yeah well what was album number three gonna be yeah you know potentially um, and for something that I, uh, I think I've said on this show that Doom rarely keeps my interest, and I wouldn't just flatly call this Doom. There's a lot of Doom elements on it. I mean, it's a quarter Doom, mm. um, and um, it does keep my interest. But I mean, for the whole thing, I would say there is one song at the end which is around 11 minutes long, where it ends in the most obnoxious fucking way yeah you yeah ever imagine an album to end the obnoxiously <laughs> stuff i'm kind of like okay i've heard this being done a lot and i'm kind mm. of done with it now um and i don't think you need 11 minutes of it but bar that it's a 42 minute uh six track, track record yeah um five songs really yeah um with, with two people doing doom stoner riffs with a few kind of nice elegiac uh post-metal interlude bits mm -hmm. and it's really good for yeah. for, it, for that it's really of, good a bit of electro throb in there yeah the song, there's a song called surface of the sun yeah and starts out i mean i thought that was going to be an interlude but they actually turn it into a full-blown song which yeah. is at least sort of eight i think about eight minutes long um uh, yeah, good work. Lance. There's also a song called Gyro Electro Destroyer on it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, best title of the year, surely. Best so. song title, um, which is just brilliant. I feel like they could do extraordinarily well at Roadburn or or Desert Fest or Damnation, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the wheelhouse that we're that they're in. Um, I saw them supporting Kirsty's Metal Hands a couple of uh, weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And they were very, 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 very good live. I think they need to fatten out their sound a little bit, but that'll come with more pedals or more people or whatever they choose to do. But it was like, I'm not going to go into it extensively because it was like their eighth ever gig. Mm. Um, but it was very good and very promising. Um, and yeah, this record is exactly that. Very promising indeed. Yeah, it is. I think just the guitar tone alone yeah. makes me go, yeah, good. Yep. And I like the way that they do just go, bosh, in we go. Yep. I and mean, that's quite doomy, but for the most part, yeah, I did listen to it and go, 
yeah, it's kind of a post-metal record, but more in the vein of something like, although not really because it's a lot heavier than that, but kind of the vein of something like Pelican, which is more about riffs than it is about, you know, kind of atmospherics. Yep. Like it fucking hits you hard, this record. Yep. Like if you are the sort of person who likes your metal to be a bit more expansive, but not pretentious. Yeah. Then that's worth trying, I think. Absolutely. That's very good. Yep. Mm. I totally and also it's got that kind of three, nine, seven, one, five. What's that? What is that? That's, no on, Polar, that's on Polar Similar by Norma Jean. As well, oh, is it? ringtone bit. And I was like, oh yeah, you again. <laughs> you again. Is this going to become the new Charlie Chaplin speech? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good of it, is Not it? as good, no. Um, but, uh, but then weirdly better. Because you don't hear all the fucking time. That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's good. This I enjoyed it. I mean, like you say, it's not the best thing I've ever heard. No, it's not the best of this type of thing. But like I say, you know, it's definitely they're definitely worth a worth a go. Oh yeah, most definitely. And and again, I'm filing this under. This is a debut record. Very very promising. Yeah. Very sure. very promising indeed. Okay, so that is um, Reverence Redacted by The Road. Um, okay, we're going to close up with something we haven't done for a little while, uh, and that's trade off, Renfrey. Hello. When was the last time we did? Oh, it was a long off. bloody time ago, several weeks ago. It's a long time ago. Now, um, last time we did do it, you gave me um, Route One or Die, the debut album by Three Trap Tigers. I did. And I gave you the self titled debut album by Utah Saints. Mmm. What, who's your, who do you want to go first? Uh, you pick. Do you want to do Utah first? Yeah, we can do Utah Saints first. I think that seems absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, Utah Saints. Uh, this album was released in 1993. Um, Jez Williams... I thought it was 92. I think it was actually was 1993. But okay. I think there's a um, a version of it that was sort of... It was recorded and leaked... On a white label in 1992. Oh, okay. Okay. I believe. But I'm just giving the official no, no. release time today. Um, yeah, Jez Williams and Tim Garbutt are the members of Utah Saints today. Um, they're a sort of band that they were put together at the suggestion of Bill Drummond from the KLF. Really? Yep. Wow. KLF, of course, who uh, famously um, quit the music business by winning Best Band at the Brits. Um, getting uh, performing on stage with Extreme Noise Terror mm. and then um, leaving a dead sheep um, on the, the, the steps of the Brits after party uh, saying that you uh, that, um, the KLF have quit the music industry um, and then burnt a million pounds and then sold it for £40,000 yep. as part of an art installation. So, okay, Steve's old band. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I fucking love to be in a KLF. Like, <laughs> it's one of the most fucking bizarre weird punk rock things to have ever done what the klf did yeah yeah like no. that's walking it like you talk it yeah it's burning a million pounds there as well it's stupid yeah. yeah fucking stupid but, but sure whatever you know, for the art the art's more important apparently <laughs> um let's talk about this record um uh, this hit number 10 on the uk album chart this is what got to top 10 it was um, it doesn't surprise me for the time no. Well, no, no, probably not. Goodness but me, it's of its time. It's definitely of its time. Goodness me, it's of its time. Uh, there yes. is no, if you listen to this record, there is no other decade it could have been released in it's true. other than the 90s. Yeah, it's true. And um, they're, they're a band who have gone on to remix 
um, work by the likes of Bring Me the Horizon, Flaming Lips, Alabama 3, Stone Roses, Simple Minds, The Mission, and Annie Lennox, just to name a few. Right. Um, it, this There were two big hit singles on this uh, record, Something Good being the main one, which peaked at number four. In Do the like that song. Charts. Do like right. that song. So um, it also samples um, War Ensemble by Slayer, and of course, on something good, it samples Cloudbursting by Kate Bush as well. Yep. Uh, Renfrey, yeah, so Utah Saints. You, 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 Utah Saints. Let me know <laughs> what you reckon. Um, so taking aside sort of the fact that, you know, this is definitely of a time and all that kind of thing. And uh, it's an electronic, broadly, it's an electronic band album thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm not. Um, there, are, there is electronic music I like, but I'm very, very specific with it generally, and it doesn't tend to fall into this kind of thing. I was surprised at how much I got out of this album, and I don't know. I, th- I think part of it, if I'm honest, might have been nostalgia for being seven, uh, <laughs> which I would have been at the time, or eight. Yeah. Sorry. It was actually, I've just looked, it was released in America, Look, weirdly, because they're a band from the UK, and this sort of thing was not big in America. No. This was released in America the year before. Oh, so right. it was released in the UK in 1993, but actually was released in, the, in America the year before, which is really weird. Very bizarre. Um, but I was surprised at how much I got out of it. I was also surprised, some of the songwriting on this is fantastic. Mm. Um, there are some very clever, almost tall-esque moments, where, like... I mean, there was this, there's this part on on um, what was the big single? Something 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 good. Something good. There's this part where like I think a guitar part comes in in which sounds a little bit weird and off kilter because it's in slightly the wrong key, mm. and then the the previous part that was playing over it comes out. Then it just remains that weird guitar part. And then another part comes in underneath it, which effectively means the key has changed without you actually even noticing it. Right. There's some the, the, there's stuff like that on the record, right? Which is difficult next level musicianship shit in terms of songwriting, certainly. And the kind yeah, sure. of thing that Tool will do or bands of that ilk would do, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really surprised me. I was like, fuck, fair play. There are bits on this that I think are great. Um, my my issue with the record, like a lot of these kind of electronic things, I think all of the songs go on about a minute too long. Mm. Um, but overall, I mean, you, when you gave this to me fucking seven years ago, <laughs> you you were, you, you were going to give me a Primal Scream album, but I'd already heard it. Yeah. And you were like, oh, you're going to regret that decision because you're getting Utah Saints. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, you know, no, this is I like I could I don't, I don't know if I'll go back to it because mm. I don't think it's my kind of thing, but I can definitely see that it's clearly really good. I just I, I mean the reason I gave you this, and to be honest, I, I can't remember what happened, but I think I just had Spotify on random one day, and um, and I think it was um, what can you do for me came on, and I was like, oh. This is a fucking... I haven't heard this for years. This is a great song. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to listen to the album again. And I listened to it and I was like... Although, I mean, the al- this, is a, this album's all right. I think, like you say, I think it's 
it's it's it's got like it's it's definitely of a time and yeah. it certainly reminds me it, i've got a nostalgic quality for it um it's probably not the best example of that type of music although there are some fucking rages on this record mm-hmm. um but what i liked when i started listening to it was that it just reminded me of a time where kind of rave culture and rock and indie music were still very much interlinked. Like you mentioned the songwriting on that. And I think that, you know, as time would progress, um, a lot of that music would become less about songwriting in a traditional sense. sense. Uh, Absolutely. That's a lot of what surprised me about it Mm. in, in, in that the songs felt like they were, um, more traditionally written. I'm not yeah. even sure 100 percent what I mean by that, yeah. but yes. But I think you know, you know, sort of famously, uh, the the kind of Manchester bands all ended up going to the Hacienda and dancing to Acid House, and mm. that really shaped that kind of crossover. Really shaped and influenced a lot of of the kind of crossover between dance music and rock music. And, you know, I've all, I personally have always thought there was a really big... In America, you could look... In America, you could look at, you know, uh, gangster rap and new metal and go, well, yeah, there's... <laughs> even if those people are just wannabes about that, you could see that there was a sort of interlink between yeah. those things. But I always think that rave culture and the kind of... the 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 new the newer indie bands of the late 80s going into the early 90s they didn't really feel that different in the way they looked in the way they presented themselves in the attitude they had it was a proper underground cultural thing i think we we, we talked about this before when we were talking yeah. about the chemical brothers yeah, and various yeah, yeah. other people that we've talked about and i just think you know listening to this record and it feeling like a a genuine crossover. I was just like, I kind of miss the days yeah. where, you know, where, and, it, and it's weird when we're told now there are no genres anymore. Everybody mm. likes everything. Like genres are dead and everyone can do blah, 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 blah. And that may be true that people like, uh, you know, I, I like Billie Eilish and I like, you know, Morbid Angel and, you know, cool. And it's like, yeah, great. That's cool. But you don't necessarily hear those styles clashing that much. You don't necessarily no. hear those things really interwoven. And I think it is one of the, the great myths of the kind of modern age that this is the first time that those, you know, that, that now people listen to everything. I think that's a complete misnomer. And I think an album like this is a good example of the of proof that actually, you know, ravers and rock fans in this country in the early 90s were actually massively interlinked with each other uh yeah i don't entirely disagree i mean i I do think there are factors outside of that that we've discussed on this show before like basically having access to music for free which you know we've talked about like not wanting to me not wanting to spend 16 quid on a hip-hop record because it's too much of an investment and all that kind of thing but yeah, I certainly agree that it's not as if this hasn't happened before. Mm. I just don't think it's happened in as big a wave as it's happened now, if that makes sense. But yeah, but I I, I don't hear any influence of like I, I you know I I still I don't really hear like when people say, you know, Billie Eilish is the biggest one. You know, she's massive at the moment. Obviously, if you saw her crowd at Reading a mm. couple of weeks ago, 
she's the kind of zeitgeist pop star don't really hear anything which is kind of traditionally rock minded other than you know she whispers a bit and it might be a bit dark like i don't necessarily is she is she considered a crossover star though well people do say like you know she's crossing over into rock music and you yeah. know like it's the, and actually no one ever crosses back the other way do they do you know no. that's the, that's the thing it's like you know, no. we're, I, this has always been a bit of a bugbear of mine. And when, you know, when Jamie Jackson, people are like, you rock fans need to be more open-minded. And my kind of response always is, okay, well then let Cancer Bats play. Um, and it started happening more like, you know, let Cancer Bats play Wireless Festival with Travis mm-hmm. Scott. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you will be really like thumbs up happy about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that never happens. Um but but musically, this sounds like an electronic, like, much like the Prodigy. You know, it, they're an electronic band with the attitude of a of a guitar band. And yeah. I think actually Utah Saints. You watch videos, so I went on YouTube after we did this because I was like, I'm going to watch some of their like video because they used to play live. And when I say live, they played for kind of five years. They played live as live, not just as two blokes behind. It. I mean, you know, I was going to ask about that actually. That's cool. I, well, I was going to ask, do do they play live? Yeah, they did, and it wasn't just two of them behind a desk like you know Chemical Brothers play live. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. Two of them. yeah. But they had a full band. They had a full band. Song. Right, that's awesome. I would yeah. love to see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. And that band looked like fucking Grebo's fuck. Like, do you know what I mean? One of them looked like had had dread tied up dreadlocks like Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails. Right, right, right. Wearing a dirty vest and had like this big bother boy boots on and was like smashing the shit out of his bass. And I was like, that could be skinny puppy. Well, listen, I mean? listening to some of the keyboards on this record, that guy, it must be the guy who does lighting tech for Meshuggah now because yeah. the manner in which he's playing the key, like, well, fairly simple m- melodic lines, but the sort of um, freneticity... Mm. of him hitting the keys is quite quite intense yeah uh, and i i'm guessing a lot of people would just program that in now and press play yeah yeah maybe sucks but yeah bit of a bummer yeah but yeah yeah they played live they had a full band and everything cool and they're still sort of doing things they just they don't play live anymore they don't really release things under they don't release i don't think they've released one of their own songs as utah saints for a long time but they do so many remixes and they're you know they're still very very well respected in the scene that's excellent well fair play i mean you know this this is something that i liked in a genre that i generally don't um and i don't know if i'll return to it or not but but there is a chance that i will so fair play yeah it's good i think it's actually it's good i mean i like it because i remember it from back in the day it was bloody great um anyway you gave me three trap tigers root one or die the debut album from the uk band that was released in 2011 i think it was roughly around this time that i saw them supporting deftones might have been about a year later i think it was 20 february 2013 but yeah right okay yeah, yeah. not too um after. and i remember being like this is okay but the sound was fucking appalling absolutely which, appalling at uh, that show wood didn't help in the slightest yeah. so yeah. um i couldn't really get into it um, Renfrey, do you want to give people a little bit of background before we start chatting about the record? Do you want to give sure. a little background on um, Three Trap Tigers? Three Trap Tigers are kind of a... Um, they were once described to me by their drummer, Adam Betts, who I often describe as the best drummer in the UK right now, um, as three punks trying to play Aphex Twin, um, <laughs> which is also sort of how Dylan just started, although they are totally different. Mm. Um first time i ever saw three track tigers was actually supporting dillinger at the garage um yeah yeah um on i'm guessing option paralysis yeah it would be that's when they played the garage yeah 
Um, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? It blew me away. There was three people, a drummer who was just pushing the form of drumming as far as we know it to something totally beyond anything I'd ever seen before. Um, a bass player playing keyboard sometimes at the same time as playing bass and a guitarist playing keyboard sometimes at the same time as playing guitar. Um, (laughs) I've mentioned the opening song on this record quite a lot, Cram, which has a somehow catchy riff, which is around about 80 notes long. Um, Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do, yeah. The manner in which this record comes in, um, it's difficult to fail to be impressed at the very least. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just a band who play electronic music in a, in a, in a way that is always exciting and always feels fresh and live. Um, they, they are pretty much my answer to anyone who kind of goes, well, you can't do electronic music live, can you? And it's like, no, this is why everyone needs to do it like this because of three chat tigers, basically. Mm. Right. What do you think? I think it is the level of musicianship on this record is fucking maddening. Yes. Like there were times when I was listening to this, even, I mean, I was listening to this last week thinking we might be doing it last week. And even in a week where there was a tool album out, when I was listening to it alongside that, this made my jaw just hit the floor on numerous occasions. And I was like, fuck me. When I say, when I say Adam Betts is, and actually I don't want to, down the other two members of the band either but when i say adam betts is one of the best drummers in the uk i am putting him in in the same league as the danny carries of this world yeah i know he is incredible and i was like mm, well really and now having properly sat down and listened to this record yeah everything about it is crazy um but again like tool i think there are songs on here as well which is vitally yeah. important for this type of music yeah. vitally vitally important um they are uh, the Apex Twin comparison, I can definitely see. They do feel more like, I think maybe it's because of the fact that they're still writing songs. Like when I think of some of the electronic music that I listen to, like I really like Boards of Canada, uh-huh. for example, mm-hmm. the one band who I really like, really like Boards of Canada. But when I listen to Boards of Canada, I don't often feel like I'm listening to a song. I'm just listening to Boards of Canada's sort of ethereal... Sort of soundscape. Soundscape stuff, yeah. Yeah. And it's great. And they... And actually, Boards of Canada are not a bad shout for if you... Tonally. Yep. I think they're they're quite similar because this sounds so clean. And Boards of Canada, like, one thing I like them, but I've always liked about them is they're so shiny. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so clean. Everything is so precise. Um even though it feels like I say, it's like kind of wafting along, like the sound of it is really lovely and clean. And, um, and three shot tigers are super clean as well. Like, I feel like you can hear every note, you can hear every cadence, yep. you can hear, you know, perfect. Everything feels perfectly split, which is the exact opposite of the, um, experience I had watching them with Deftones. Yes. Uh, so, yes, you know, yes. there I was just like, I'm, sh- I don't really know what's going on here, Yeah, but they do feel, as I say, in, in, in opposition to boards of Canada, they do feel much more like um, like a rock band, like mm-hmm. a guitar-based band, which is obviously what they are, really. Um, and it's interesting, the idea to 
It's a weird swap this week, isn't it? Because Utah Saints are basically an electronic band acting like a rock band, whereas Three Chap Tigers are a rock band acting like an electronic, electronic band. band. Yes, yes. So it's and a all, weird little juxtaposition uh, that we've got. Well, also, like. also that that you know the the genuine crossover thing that you mentioned. Um, I think Three Chap Tigers are actually a very good example of where it feels like a genuine crossover. What I love about Three Chap Tigers music is. You know, rock, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week with Black Futures. Rock and electronic coming together so often dates so quickly. And I don't think Three Trap Tigers music is going to date ever. Well, it hasn't. To my ears, it hasn't. No, so there you far. go. I mean, this is only eight years old, so yeah. it's not. But electronic music is so quick. Yeah, like, there are, there are definitely big albums in 2013 that were electronic, which would have dated by now. Mm, definitely. Yeah, sure. Well, 2011 was the big dubstep. Exactly. Um, boom, wasn't it? Exactly. Like, dubstep was the coolest thing in the world. And now, yeah. like, you'd never, never fucking hear that yeah. sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think um, it is still rooted in guitar music to me. Uh, it's not an uncle or a DJ shadow, but the fact, like, in, in, but in terms of the way it sort of sounds, I don't think it's similar to those two. No, acts. no, I agree. Um, but the fact that a, a quote unquote rock band, can still recall stuff like DJ Shadow or Boards of Canada or um, or Tecra or you know any of, of those kind of really fucking cool forward thinking electronic bands. Yep. The fact that they can play that with with it, with instruments and play it live as well. Yep. Is unbelievably impressive. Yep. Do I like it? I do quite like it. Cool. Okay. I don't love it, mm -hmm. but then I. I haven't listened to it enough to be like I love it, mm -hmm. but I would definitely, I definitely would, I would definitely listen to this again. Definitely, I would say um, Three Trap Tigers took me a little while, maybe because it's quite far from what I tend to listen to anyway, but also because on record they can often feel like a lot being thrown at you at once, um, and I have found that seeing them live through various either support slots or at their own show or generally at Art Tangent because they do play Art Tangent a lot. Um, my admiration and love for that band has just improved and increased significantly. I feel like I've given you... There are two full-length albums and then there's a collection of their first three EPs called 1 to 13. A lot of people still maintain that that collection of EPs is their best stuff. Mm. Um, it definitely has some of their um, best songs on it. I wouldn't say it's their best stuff overall. I think their new record, Silent New Record, is actually about five years old already or four or five years old. Yeah. Silent Earthling is the best thing that they've done and the most um, palatable. Right. But I gave you this one because it was kind of in between the two. Um, so it's still got a lot of the hard-hitting, weird stuff on it, which I thought you might like. Um, but it's... You don't, you know, you tend to go towards things which aren't very palatable anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I thought it probably wouldn't be much of a problem. So yes. I think I think Silent Earthling is definitely worth checking out as well because that's, that's this, but just a little, and I stress, a little bit easier to digest. Well, this is definitely like, you know, I had a period where... I had a period about 10, 12 years ago where I really got into stuff like Fortet and, uh, well, you know, to mention Boards of Canada, that's when I first started getting into Boards of Canada and all those things. And I'd always liked Aphex Twin a bit, but it was one of those people. I think Aphex Twin was one of those things where I sort of went, oh, I like it because I like to come to Daddy and I like the Window Licker video and song. But 
nothing else was as instantaneous as that. Yeah. So I always went, oh yeah, I do like Apex Twin, where actually I was sort of listening to it and going, oh, I don't really know. And it didn't yeah. took me until kind of, until I got into those other bands before I really liked Apex Twin. You know, like I would listen to Ambient Works, you know, the kind of early Apex Twin stuff, that that Ambient Works collection that's out, which is now I think is just fucking incredible. Mm. And I would be a bit like, oh, don't know. Whereas, yeah, but, but something like this with, and I always thought to myself, like, I would like to go and see these bands live, but I know it will just be somebody stood by a laptop. Ah, well, that's definitely not and what three times yeah, are. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I should definitely and invest my time in everything of theirs because I feel like yeah. I will really, really, really like them. Yeah, I, th- I think you will. I, th- I think if we came back to this in a year, you may have already digested all of their stuff and love it by that yeah. point. Um, we'll see if they're playing much, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I mean they're working on a third album, I think, so they might not be playing all that much. But um, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely think they're they're a band who are loved by other bands. There's a lot of that, mm. um, you know, and um, they're also a band that I feel like will probably be looked back on and not fully appreciated, possibly in their time. Because right. I do really think that what they're doing is so ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, Adam Betts's solo stuff, is under the name Colossal Squid, mm. and that is literally like a drum solo record, if you will. Yeah, and it's great. It's right. really good, you know. And like, who, who, even if Danny Carey, like, you know, Chocolate Chip Trip is fine on that last tour record. But if there was much more of it, I would be a bit like, okay, I'm getting a bit bored now. Mm. Um, and, you know, Adam Betts has managed to release a 30 minute debut album called Colossal Squid, which is basically Chocolate Chip Trip expanded. Wow. Don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, I'm going to give you Colossal Squid. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anyway, that's Three Trap Tigers. The album is called Route One or Die. Uh, next week, Renfrey. What have you got for me? What have you got for, for me? I'm going to give you Vile Luxury by a band called Imperial Triumphant. Oh, I think I say Imperial Leather. Then. I wanted to say Imperial Leather, <laughs> but then I stopped myself. Imperial, Imperial Triumphant. Triumphant. Yeah, Never heard of them. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you... How familiar are you with the early days of American hardcore? We're going back to 80s. Yeah. Um, I like Minor Threat. Okay, fine. Um, I recently watched the very excellent, in parts, four-part punk documentary mm-hmm. that's just come out on Sky Arts, which is which is good, in parts. Um, but it made me go, oh, I'll tell you what I want to give you. Um, millions of Dead Cops by MDC. So Millions of Dead Cops by Millions of Dead Cops. Okay, not even heard of them. So okay. Millions of Dead Cops. Yes. Uh, so next week I'll be doing Imperial Luxury, Imperial Triumphant, Imperial Leather, <laughs> Imperial Triumphant. <laughs> Fucking hell! Imperial the Triumphant. Album, the album's called Vile Luxury. Vile Luxury. Okay, Vile Luxury by Imperial Triumphant. Yeah. I just don't really listen to you. And you'll be doing Millions of Dead Cops by Millions of Dead Cops. Excellent. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. We will be back next week. Remember, go to musicism.net to get twenty five percent off all courses to make you uh, able to put out a half hour Talk? drum solo oh yes i see yes they absolutely do drum things do they uh, well, doing uh no nah. wow well, anyway you might just get it as well you might just 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 happen by vicariously <laughs> you might um yeah right in the, in the checkout uh 
in capital letters, you get 25% off all courses. Next week, Chelsea Wolf, Pixies, new mic pattern and some guys with... Um, oh, how disrespectful is that? That is really, really disrespectful. disrespectful. We don't know yeah. the guy's name, but he's got an, he's, with, he's doing something with Mike Patton, so he's worth your, yes. your time. Yes. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about that. Um, in the meantime, do, just, just kill some time. We'll be back. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>